The Pulse nightclub shooting on June 12, 2016 was, at the time, the worst mass shooting in modern U.S. history, leaving 49 dead. What if more victims could have lived? A peer-reviewed study this year concluded 16 victims died with potentially survivable wounds. If I could have pushed it, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be 49 dead. WMFE, along with ProPublica, asked why paramedics didn't go into Pulse until after the shooter was dead. WMFE's Abe Abariah reports. Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer tries on a bulletproof vest with the words fire rescue emblazoned on the front. It's April 2017, about 10 months after the Pulse nightclub shooting. We're deploying these new ballistic vests with OFD. Dyer and the city's fire chief were debuting a new policy for the fire department during active shooter incidents called a rescue task force. You take a team of medics, give them bulletproof vests with medical gear, and give them a police escort directly to victims of violence. While police focus on stopping the bad guy from shooting more people, those medics focus on saving the victims who have already been shot. They apply tourniquets and get victims out as quick as possible to a trauma surgeon. The federal government has for years been pushing this rescue task force idea, saying it can save more lives. Dyer lifts off shooting events where a rescue task force could have been used. Certainly Pulse, uh, the main gate uh, situation that we have. Orlando's mayor and the fire chief, Roderick Williams, they're acting like this is a brand new idea, and it's not. This was the second order of bulletproof vests for Orlando firefighters. During the Pulse nightclub shooting, the department had bulletproof vests, but they were never brought to the scene. Emails obtained by WMFE show that the policy Williams unveiled that day, it had been in the works for years. It was stalled by office politics and bureaucracy within the Orlando Fire Department as Williams was sworn in as the new fire chief. Uh, I gotta admit, I mean, you know, chiefs don't cry, but, but I've shed a tear or two over this, and it breaks my heart. That is Anibal J.R. Saez. He's now retired. But in 2013, he was the Orlando Fire Department assistant chief who was told to implement this rescue task force before the pole shooting. He was pulled off the project when Williams became the fire chief in 2015. Sayers believes there was a window during the pulse shooting, after the shooter stopped firing, but before he made a bomb threat, where medics wearing bulletproof vests could have gone to the nightclub to triage and treat victims. And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, if I would have had that policy, if I could have got it done, if I could have pushed it, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be 49 dead. Maybe, be, you know, not that, you know, once too much, but maybe it'd be 40, maybe it'd be 48, I, I, anything, but, but, you know, the end result here. And there were victims who died with potentially survivable gunshot wounds. Dr. Edward Reed Smith led a peer-reviewed study of autopsies from the Pulse nightclub shooting. What we found killed the most people was torso injuries. Smith's team concluded 16 victims had potentially survivable wounds. That's if they'd gotten care from a paramedic in 10 minutes and made it to the hospital in an hour, the national standard. That's nearly a third of victims. Smith and his team previously studied 12 mass shooting events and found an average of 7% of victims died with potentially survivable wounds. There was lung injury or there was intestine injury, but no major heart or blood vessel injury. And Smith is clear that it's not a 100% chance of survival. It's not possible to know if those 16 would have been reachable by a rescue task force or if they lived, how debilitating their injuries would be. And Orlando officials say it would have been impossible to get medics to victims in 10 minutes. Law enforcement and fire agencies across the country have struggled with when to send paramedics into harm's way. Few departments bring paramedics in when someone is actively shooting victims. That's called a hot zone operation. 
but an increasing number are finding ways to send in specially trained rescue task forces after shooting stops but before the perpetrator is caught or killed. This is called a warm zone operation. Fire Chief Williams says even with the equipment and policy in place today, he would consider Pulse nightclub to be a hot zone. We're not prepared to go in hot zone extraction. That's just not what we do as a fire department. Would you view the inside of Pulse nightclub, you know, as a hot zone or a warm zone? Based on what transpired in that club, it was a hot zone, unless something changed. But it was active fire, active shooting. That's a hot zone to us. A review from an arm of the U.S. Justice Department concluded otherwise saying after 20 minutes, quote, it would have been reasonable for fire or EMS to enter with a law enforcement cover to assist. So what happened at the Orlando Fire Department? For answers, WMFE looked at years of records. In February of 2015, Sayez was put in charge of creating a rescue task force policy. He wanted the policy, which he's had written for two years, adopted by April. He had chosen bulletproof vests and wanted the entire fire department trained by the end of the year. But on April 2nd, 2015, Roderick Williams was sworn in as fire chief. The next day, Sayez was sent back to work in a firehouse and the rescue task force policy was given to another administrator. That email that you're referring to was the first time I heard that I was off, off the case. The fire department bought the bulletproof vest recommended by Sayez in July of 2015. At this point, there have been nine joint trainings with police on how to do a rescue task force. But by March 30th, 2016, emails showed an open confusion within the department. One administrator wrote, we should probably create a policy before we begin training. Williams later asked for an update on the active shooter policy. No one replied. So on June 12, 2016, the night of the Pulse massacre, the old policy remained in effect. The fire department should stay three blocks away from the scene if the responding units were, quote, uncomfortable with the situation. Mayor Dyer thinks the policy would not have made a difference. I don't think we would have ever employed that policy in the Pulse situation. Um, I don't think that scene was the appropriate place to do it. So whether we had the policy strictly or not, I don't think it affected the outcome at all. While the firefighters didn't enter Pulse nightclub that night, some of the victims did. Jean Carlos Mendez Perez made it outside the club, but realized his boyfriend was still back inside. He went back in to get Luis Daniel Wilson Leon, who everyone called Donnie. The couple was found by the entrance in the club. Donnie had wounds to his back, while Perez had wounds to his front. It seemed like he, um, I think he was protecting Jean. That's Lolly Santiago Leon, Donnie's cousin. She's in her parents' Rockledge home, which has memories of Donnie peppered throughout. A vase, a photo of Paris, a quilt in Donnie's old bedroom. Lolly says she hopes to never learn who the 16 victims with survivable wounds were. I'm still, as I said, I'm still angry that he's gone. But to know that he could have survived would be horrific. That question, who could have been saved, will never be answered for sure. A. Babariah, 90.7 News.